0: drivers of ireland it's now or never when you want the great value cover that only comes with super value car insurance giving you a 10 percent online discount and shopping vouchers with your policy that's a great deal for the cover you need anyway all it takes is one big click or call just visit supervalue.ie slash insurance or call 0818 010101 and our supervalue team will save the day so give us a spin Terms and conditions apply. Vouchers include two 10 euro off 40 euro spend. This car insurance is underwritten by AXA Insurance DAC. Supervalue Financial Services DAC, trading as Supervalue Insurance, is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. I can't stop thinking about them. I keep rereading their old texts. Brian, Brian, this has got to stop. It's been months and they send those alerts to everyone. You know that, right? Look, your bank is leaving, but you've got to get back out there. Listen to me. Any bank would be lucky to have you, especially Bank of Ireland. Really? Yeah, they've even put together a simple step-by-step guide to moving banks, and have a dedicated team on hand to help. Even an ending can be a new beginning. To start finding your new banking partner, download our step-by-step guide to moving banks. Search Bank of Ireland Big Move Begin.
1: Bank of Ireland is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland.
0: I'm Rod Serling. You're listening to the Zero Hour. Rest your eyes. Exercise your imagination. This week, Charles Larson's Inside Story of Television Murder Someone's Death. starring George Kennedy Joyce Bulafont and Robert Reed in Elliot Lewis's production of The Zero Hour
2: Mutual Broadcasting System presents
0: The Zero Hour. Sponsored in part by Metropolitan Life Insurance Company, Hallmark Greeting Cards, and the makers of V8 Juice. This is The Zero Hour on Mutual Radio. producer Nils Frederick Blixen is an expert at solving murders of the fictional variety. But he's found that it's nothing at all like the real thing. The real thing keeps you awake nights, drives you in endless circles, and cannot be solved in a half-hour time slot. The police have taken away his young female casting director, Joanna Redfern, who at this point has been cast herself in the leading role in a very real murder. But for News Frederick Blixen. Joanna is all wrong for the part. Even though he now knows she's played it once before, someone's death continues in a moment. Hi, this is Frankie Lane. Do you remember this song? I believe for every drop of rain that falls, a flower grows. I believe that I believe. Well, if you do, you can also remember when there were no such things as artificial heart valves or synthetic arteries. Nobody ever heard of the heart-lung machine or open-heart surgery. Today, they're commonplace and your contributions help bring them about. But with all these and other advances, heart disease is still not conquered. More medical advances are needed to help save hearts and lives. Give generously when your Heart Fund volunteer calls for your contribution. I believe above the storm, the smallest prayer will still be heard. I believe that someone in
3: the grave... Inside the North Hollywood police station, the detectives took Red into a poster-encrusted cubicle from which I was barred. She cast me a ghastly grin just before the door closed in my face and I felt my heart give an unaccustomed lurch. I paced back and forth along the short hallway until a sunburned civilian in overalls took pity on me and urged me not to worry about my daughter since the valley police were gentlemen through and through. I thanked him and went outside, cut to the quick. She could be my daughter, damn it. I became obsessed with the idea that something had gone wrong and that they were booking her. I told myself I'd count to ten. Schreiber came out on the count of seven, joking and chatting with Sergeant Ames. Red was pale but composed. Ames went back inside, and Schreiber gave me the rundown. No, it was a breeze. They didn't know about Gladstone being a pusher, so I didn't mention it. No, they didn't suspect her any more than they suspect the governor. Well, come on, Red, I'll take you home. Uh, Wait a second, Wade. Don't you still live way out in West Valley? Tarzana, yeah. What's the difference? I can take Red into Hollywood and then swing over Coldwater.
1: I wouldn't hear of
3: it. I have ordered a cab. Oh. <laughs> okay, Niels Frederick, I, uh, I get the message. Well, I'll call you tomorrow, Red. Uh, we'll have dinner one night. You doing anything Saturday? No. Good, it's a date. And uh, good night, buddy. Good night, buddy. Give my love to all your kids.
1: Sweet man.
3: My company's lawyer. We've been friends for years. Well, let's walk to the corner. Maybe there's a cab stand there or a bus.
1: How old is he? Thirty, thirty-one.
3: Thirty-one.
1: You mentioned something about kids?
3: He's got four.
1: Holy Moses.
3: Hey, cab.
1: Oh, Jack. Oh, Jack. Nice wife, I suppose.
3: She's not married. She died. I'm
0: sorry I'm late. I was hungrier than I (laughs) thought.
3: Hey, you're a producer. Any chance of getting studio work? Transportation? Uh, You'd have to check with the union. Ah, Forget it. Maybe I'll go back to school. Landscape architecture. (laughs) I used to work for a Japanese
0: nursery up in Montrose. Boy, that really turns me on, Japanese gardens. You know what I mean? You know what a
1: haiku is? Japanese poem, three lines, 17 syllables. Quote, white cherry blossoms, colder than snow when I call and you are not there. Oh,
3: son of a gun. That's your own composition.
1: Birthday present from an ex-friend of mine, very dark friend i'll make a right turn on the long tray, jack
0: hey uh, miss redfern the secretary told me you didn't have a car uh, you get off work around the same time every night i'm usually someplace near the studio
3: i could pick you up on a regular on a regular basis you know
1: well, i have a car it's just in the garage now but thanks
3: how about picking me up i don't have a car i'll write you a free haiku every fifth trip
0: <laughs> the heck
3: with the haikus
0: I do it for the money alone. What time? Six.
1: Oh, right here. The big brown fourplex on the left.
3: Now, wait for me. I won't be long.
0: Oh, no, no. I can't. My wife will kill me. Look, I'll take another voucher. That's 310. Pick you up tomorrow at six, Mr. Blixen.
3: I was glad for the opportunity to be alone with her. We stood on the sidewalk a moment while she gave me a rundown on the tenants in the building. Pointed out where she lived, on the second floor... Downstairs right was where Leonard Ellis and his granddaughter Heidi lived.
1: Odd little girl.
3: How odd?
1: She never blinks for one thing. She's 14 going on 45. I spent age 14 in tears. Maybe that's why I distrust her so much. She doesn't cry. Never needs comforting.
3: What happened to her parents?
1: They were both in the army. Killed themselves. It was horrible. Ellis had to take over. He adopted her. I handed to him once. He ought to send her to an analyst. He almost hit the ceiling. She lives on comic books. Got them piled in the garage so high you can't get a car in. She's very spiritual around her grandfather. But twice now, I caught her burning grasshoppers to death with a magnifying glass.
3: She sounds like a charmer. Could Heidi have heard your argument? Was she at home that night?
1: She's always home. She's always around.
3: Followed red up toward the fourplex. It was a house that only could have felt comfortable in Southern California. Curved red Spanish tiles lay on the flat roof like a matador's hat on an Iowa woman. There was a moving blur on the porch swing. She was an unmemorable girl, Heidi, half hidden behind long flaxen hair that fell to her bosom. At odd moments, she'd nudge some of the hair away from the left side of her face. I never saw the right. She wore jeans, a checkered shirt that hung out... covering her thick waistline, and painted toenails.
1: Hi. Aren't you in bed? Oh, this is my boss, Mr. Blixen. This is Heidi.
3: Hello, Heidi. I knew your grandfather. He works for me.
4: Do you know Donnie Osmond?
3: No, I'm, I'm afraid I don't. I know the Lone Ranger, though. He's a fine man.
4: You know why the Lone Ranger and Tonto broke up? No, why? You found out what Kimosabe really meant. <laughs> that's a joke son
3: it's a real thigh slapper
4: well where's everybody they're all in boom boom's playing cards
1: did the fuzz find you they found me were they here i don't know of course you know you talked to them they said you killed dan gladstone did you know peter Laurie? heidi what's the trouble between you and me
4: Well, then, don't answer. Did you ever see anybody so clumsy in your life?
3: But beautiful.
4: Red? She curdles my milk. And she's the queen of Sheba. I hate her. I really hate her.
3: You yeah. know who she looks a lot like? Your mother.
4: My mother? Oh, you never saw my mother.
3: Well, there's a picture of her on your grandpa's desk, in her whack uniform. What was her name?
4: Florence.
3: Maybe you hate Red because she reminds you of Florence.
4: You're nuts. If she reminded me of my mother, I'd love her because I love my mother.
3: Even after she left you. Did you tell the police about Red's and Dan's argument? Did you tell him about the ring he gave her from the candy jar?
4: What's the difference?
3: Well, I suppose it was the last time you saw Dan, the, the day of the argument.
4: He came around one more time, about a week ago, last Tuesday. To see Red? She was at work.
3: Who did he come to see then?
4: I don't know. Nobody was home.
3: You were home?
4: Well, I wasn't to begin with. I got sick at school, and the nurse excused me, came home. I really felt terrible.
3: And Dan was here?
4: Yeah, around the back.
3: Well... What did you talk about? Now, it might be important, Heidi.
4: Did you know Boris Karloff? Lon Chaney? You sure you didn't know Peter Lorre?
3: Heidi, think about what I said about the resemblance. She just sat there. Her arms wrapped around her body. Never had I seen such malevolence on the face of anyone so young. I thought about what she'd said about hating red. I believe she really meant it.
0: Sunshine, shining, things are growing, things are going well with you and me. Future planned together, a would life together, and things look like Metropolitan life knows how important the future is to you and your family. We've been preparing hard for the future so that your metropolitan representative is qualified to help you prepare for it better. Because the better prepared you are, the better your future will be. We'll return to our story in a moment. At 19, Jill Kinmont was one of America's top women skiers, till an accident on an icy slope left her paralyzed. Now, 17 years later, she's a teacher, a good teacher.
4: I guess you can say I've overcome my handicap, but I couldn't have done it alone. I had family, friends, people who accepted me, believed in me, and helped me believe in myself. Yet there are millions of handicapped people in this country who aren't getting the acceptance they deserve because some people think that a handicapped person can't hold down a job, can't pay the rent, can't learn, can't be a human being. Well, unless you recognize that we are human beings with feelings, with skills, with a sense of responsibility, then you're adding a handicap we can't overcome.
0: This public service message brought to you on behalf of the Department of Health, Education and Welfare and the Advertising Council.
3: As Heidi said, everyone was in Boom Boom's apartment. Of course, it was a little tough getting in because the Hayworths, Boom Boom and her husband Fred, leery of burglars, had put a new safety catch on the flimsy door earlier in the evening. And for a while, none of the people inside could work it. And while we waited for them to figure it out, Red gave me a rundown on whom I would meet.
1: Boom Boom owns the building. She lives in this flat with her fifth husband, Fred, and her ex-lover, Preston Andrade.
3: It sounds like a comfortable arrangement.
1: They're all in their 60s now. It's more like two brothers and a sister. Then there's Phil, Boom Boom's nephew. He dropped out of high school. His father kicked him out. She took him in.
3: A school kid. Prime customer for a pusher. Incidentally, where did you meet Dan Gladstone?
1: Uh, Arcadia Playhouse. I saw him in a play. He was good. You'll be crazy about Boom Boom. She used to dance naked on a drum in Paris. That's how she got her name and lost her hearing.
3: Uh, Sorry, folks. Come on. Come on in.
1: Uh, Everybody, meet my boss.
3: Fred Hayworth, the master mechanic, was a tall, bald man in undershirt and gray pants, who kept scratching nervously and had kindly bloodshot eyes. When he offered me a cigar and I took it, he seemed startled. And all the time I was there, he didn't say a word. He left a conversation to his wife's ex-lover, Andrade, who knew me from Warner Brothers, he said. Worked in wardrobe, which I should have spotted on sight from the way he dressed. Italian shoes, tight pants, a silk shirt, and a thick black toupee, gray at the temples. Phil, the nephew, was a quiet kid whose yellow hair burst from his head like the flame of a newly lighted match. Worked in a drugstore, he told me. When I asked Phil if he liked his job better than music, Andrade answered for him. Andrade seemed to answer for everyone. How did you know about uh, Phil's music? The guitar, right? Uh-huh. His fingertips, the calluses. Add had the guitar case in the corner and... I come on like an instant Sherlock Holmes.
1: Or Saul Stagg.
3: Who's Saul Stagg?
1: That's his new detective. Oh. Starts on network television in the fall.
2: Oh, Murphy's playing that.
3: The voice came from behind me. There were two of them. Red introduced them as René Ortiz and his friend Bobby. René was a frail, heavy-headed Frenchman who powder-coated his blue chin. His friend Bobby was a lot younger, higher strung, covered with little gifts, rings on both hands, a silver bracelet, St. Christopher's medal on a thin golden chain around his neck. Bobby, you said you knew my star, Murph Smith, that we're from. Oh, around here and there, parties. The Acadia Playhouse? Mm-hmm. But you're an actor, then. Well, theoretically. Renee doesn't like me to work. I understand Dan Gladstone belonged to the Acadia. Oh, did he? Uh, yes,
0: yes, you know, I believe he did. I think I do remember Gladstone there. Of course, there were
3: so many of us. I knew Danny casually. Renee spit one word out, casually, turned and whipped into the kitchen. I felt Renee's jealousy bordered on violence. Red smiled at me, took my arm, and guided me in to meet Boom, Boom. And I, Nils Frederick Blixen, got drunk on Boom Boom Hayworth that night in Hollywood and never recovered. It was love at first sight. She had never been a beautiful woman, and now at 60 odd, she was big-hipped, rattled-looking, and quite deaf. But there was enough left in her violet eyes and the seductive way she used her hands to effectively tongue-tie a stronger man than I. She wore a green gambler's eye shade over her dyed jet black hair. She sat at a round table covered by a blanket and a multitude of poker chips and extended both hands to me as gently as a child touching a pony's nose.
4: How nice.
3: How do you do, Boom Boom?
4: Oh, you don't have to shout, chérie. I'm not that deaf. So you are the one who saved our dear Joanna from the sal
3: Oh, no, 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 no. Let me correct that. I, I didn't save her from anything. The police simply began questioning Red because she and Dan Gladstone were, uh, had been going together.
1: Listen, we didn't mean to break up your poker game when we came in. I know. Of
4: course. Uh, you two go upstairs and have fun, no? Good luck on your new series. Uh, your name again?
3: Uh, Blixen? No, no,
4: no. We are friends. Nils Frederick. Nils Frederick, Charming. Thank you, Bumbo. Andrade, get me a cigarette. Who is your leading actor, Cherie?
3: A young man named Murphy Smith.
4: I'd love to meet him.
3: When we get into production, you come on out.
4: I adore it. It's a date. You, uh, come. You kiss my cheek. Huh?
3: Good night.
1: Night, everybody.
3: Uh, we're glad you stopped in. Night.
1: Well, what'd you think?
3: Uh, oh, I think that Phil could have a motive uh, if he's deeply involved with narcotics.
1: No, I meant what did you think about Boom Boom?
3: Oh, Fantastic. <laughs>
4: I love
5: you. I love you. Love you. Love you. Love you. Love you.
0: That's why Hallmark makes over a thousand different kinds of valentines to get everybody's message across on Valentine's Day. I love you. Let Hallmark say you care enough to send the very best on Valentine's Day, Thursday, February 14th. That's Thursday the 14th.
4: There. It looks like tomato juice. It's v What you got there? It's V8. It looks like tomato
1: juice. It's V8. it Wow. It sure doesn't taste like tomato juice. Mm hmm. It tastes like V8, a great natural blend of eight garden vegetables. V8
0: cocktail
4: vegetable juice.
2: The zero hour continues after this.
5: Hi, everybody. This is Tony Butala of The Letterman. Medical care for veterans. Who is eligible to receive it? If you're a veteran or related to a veteran, this information may help you look ahead to the day when you can use VA medical care. The VA hospital system is responsible for taking care of veterans who are injured or who became ill while in the service. Their needs always come first. Next are veterans who can't afford to pay for medical care on their own and veterans over age 65 or receiving VA pensions. Today, there are 168 hospitals in the VA system. Some have live-in units allowing veterans to come and go as they please. The VA sometimes makes arrangements with nursing homes for patient care outside the hospital and VA outpatient clinics provide a full range of services from general medical treatment to dental care or to drug clinics.
3: There was no sign of the cab and the porch swing was empty. Heidi was gone. I filled my lungs with jasmine scent and then climbed to the second landing to Red's apartment. She'd gone up a moment or two before me to fix us each or drink. When I came in, I could hear her in the kitchen knocking things over. She came out with two scotches. Neat.
1: I called your cab again. The woman said that he was on the way. Cheers. Cheers. It must be awful not to have a car in this town. I don't know how you manage.
3: Well, you were lucky not to have had one last night.
1: Last night?
3: Gladstone's murderer drove to and from the ambush Your car was in the shop
1: Yes, well, mm -hmm. to be 100% candid
3: It wasn't in the shop
1: No, it was in the shop, all right Oh, hell, they'll find out anyway I borrowed Renee's Naturally
3: Naturally
1: It's almost as if a malignant fate were pursuing me, isn't it?
3: Did you tell Wade Schreiber this?
1: About malignant fate?
3: About having Renee's car?
1: No, I didn't. I will, though, I promise, soon as I see him.
3: Tell me about the letter, the anonymous letter concerning you and Gladstone.
1: What about it? It's just just one of those hateful, illiterate ravings. It didn't make any sense.
3: What did you do with it? I tore it up. Which one did it threaten, you or Gladstone? Both of us. If he ever came back again or if you ever saw him again, is that the idea?
1: More or less.
3: And Gladstone did come back and now he's dead.
1: Well, you can't call that cause and effect because he certainly never came back after I booted him out.
3: Oh, but he did. When? Last Tuesday. How do you know? Heidi told me. Oh. Don't you believe her?
1: Oh, well, let me put it this way. Heidi romanticizes.
3: All right. Indulge me. Assume she was telling the truth for once. Who would he have come to see? Boom Boom?
1: Maybe he was crazy about Boom Boom.
3: What'd she think of him?
1: He was a man. She approved.
3: Did Boom Boom's husband, what was his name, Fred, did he approve?
1: Fred believes in letting people do as they please. Fred isn't even jealous of Andrade. Why should he have fussed about Danny?
3: Preston Andrade isn't black.
1: Oh, nobody around here cares about that.
3: Jealousy isn't always justified. Remember?
1: If you're referring to my sister, that's rotten.
3: I'm sorry. Did you notice anything peculiar about young Phil downstairs? Like his barbiturate eyes? Let's say he makes a decision one day. He decides he loves his music more than his downers. He tells his suppliers to bug off. The supplier threatens to tell Phil's aunt. Phil tries to scare him away with the letter It doesn't work You want another?
1: Well, if you insist on playing detective
3: I do Two points First, Ellis was wrong There were blacks living around here to my knowledge As far back as the 40s So the objection to Dan wasn't from that quarter Point two, the letter made a threat And the threat was carried out That scares me
1: Because we're dealing with a nut?
3: We could be Where are you going, Red?
1: To get the letter.
3: But I thought... I lied. In a moment she was back. She dropped the letter into my hand. It was wrinkled and dirty. Someone, Red presumably, had crumpled it at one time into a ball and then smoothed it out again. Words cut from cheap magazines had been pasted in soiled, uneven rows. I read it aloud. Dear Jade, tell your black paramour to clear out or we'll cut off... Mmm, It's a gruesome threat. Interesting words, though.
1: The ones you mm mmmmed over?
3: No. Paramour and Jade. Red, this letter threatens your life, and you didn't ever think of showing it to the police? Who all handled this letter?
1: Well, everybody. Dan, me, Boom Boom, Fred, Andrade, Renee, everybody in this house. What are you thinking about? Fingerprints?
3: Well, oh, not much need to hurry on that now. I'd like to borrow it, may I? Sure. Good night.
1: Good night, Niels Frederick.
3: She moved forward, trod on my toe, and kissed me softly on the cheek. But as I went down the stairs, I couldn't drive from my mind the distressing realization that she had lied to the police about not having a car last night. She had lied to me about the threatening letter. And what else had she lied about? The image of her pushing her baby sister's carriage down the steps blotted everything else out.
2: You are listening to Mutual's presentation of The Zero Hour.
0: So, uh, gee, I guess there must be one around here someplace. Yeah, let me think. Hold on. I'll go over here and ask, okay? For longer than we care to remember, people have been taking the USO for granted. Sure, it's a place for servicemen and women, a place they can feel at home. Read, rest up, write letters home, a nice clean place where the hamburgers are great and so are the people serving them. Tickets to shows, ball games, sure. Everybody knows that about the USO. But what people don't know is that it takes money to keep the USO going for our two million men and women still in uniform. It takes a little money, spread out among a lot of people. Because USO gets no government funds. It depends entirely on your gifts to the United Fund, Community Chest, or local USO campaign. So please give. Our work isn't done.
4: Yes, this
3: is the family planning center. There are
0: family planning centers in more than 100 countries today. The women who come
3: to these centers can't afford to go to private doctors. But they want to plan their children. When they're going to have them and how many they're going to have. The trouble is, there aren't enough centers. Just in the United States, there are nearly 5 million women who have no way of getting modern family planning help. And that's nothing compared with the world problem. Some countries don't have enough family planning centers. Some don't have any at all. This year, again, many women will have babies not because they want to, but because they have no choice. Sad for them. Sad for the world. With family planning help, these women, too, will have babies only when they choose so that all the people of the world may have this freedom of choice,
0: support Planned Parenthood. Tomorrow at this time, rest your eyes and listen here to this week's continuing study in suspense, someone's death. I'm Rod Serling, and this is The Zero Hour. Today's episode brought to you in part by Metropolitan Life Insurance, Hallmark Cards, and V8 Juice. This is The Zero Hour on Mutual
5: Radio.